Hello, I'm Daniel Davis, and you are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This week, we bring Volume 9 to a close with Unit 27, Session 4, titled The Conquering King, which focuses on the doctrine of Christ as King. The last few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus as King, accused, crucified, and risen. Now we bring this unit to its end, and to sum it all up, Jesus is the conquering King. Though he was falsely accused and crucified by sinful men, Jesus was raised from the dead and vindicated. He is holy. He is good. He is our Savior, and He is God in the flesh. Jesus oversees the universe, guides the church, and will reward the faithful when He returns. He is sovereign over all and sovereign over us. As King, He is victorious over all. No one and no thing can stand against Him. Jesus alone fulfills the Old Testament office of King, ruling over all of creation and guiding and directing His people, the Church. Therefore, Christians should respond to His mighty sovereignty and majestic grace through faith-filled obedience. In point one, we see that Jesus is the eternal King ruling the cosmos. Being that this is a doctrine session, we are pulling out of the storyline here to examine some scriptures from other places in the Bible that address our understanding of Christ as King. For point one, we are in Hebrews chapter one. The beginning of the book of Hebrews makes clear the divinity of the Son of God, and then launches into an argument that the Son, Jesus, is better than or superior to the angels. Why would this matter? because there were and are people who deify angels. But the author of Hebrews wanted all his readers to understand that angels are servants, whereas the Son is given a throne forever. The language of today and firstborn do not indicate a creation for the Son of God, as if he were a created being. Firstborn, applied to Jesus, carries the meaning of one who is preeminent, as communicated by Psalm 89 verse 27 which says, I will also make him my firstborn, greatest of the kings of the earth. And the language of today, in a quote from the Old Testament, speaks of a shift in position, as the leader commentary points out. With Jesus' resurrection and ascension, he has been enthroned forever and taken his rightful place as the fulfillment of the Old Testament's prophecies about the Messiah King, who would be given a dominion with no end. Again, The point of this passage in Hebrews is to show how much higher and more significant the Son is than all the angels. He is the eternal Son of God, the object of the angels' worship and service, and He is the holy and just King we need to rule over all of creation forevermore. In point two, in Colossians chapter one, we see that Jesus is the resurrected King who directs His church. In places, the New Testament uses the metaphor of the body, among others, to describe the church. The point with the body metaphor is to show that individual believers are different and distinct from one another, but that we are also all interconnected and needed by one another. But there is a higher point to this metaphor. Jesus is the head of the body. We all need each other, but without Christ as our head, we are going nowhere and doing nothing. 
our feet move us along as we walk and run. But the impulse to walk or run comes from our head. So it is with Jesus and his church. The believers in their local church obey Jesus, their head, going where he wants them to go, saying what he wants them to say, and doing what he wants them to do. Jesus is the beginning of the church because the church starts with his crucifixion and resurrection. And he's the firstborn from the dead by virtue of his resurrection never to die again. There were other resurrections of people at the hands of Jesus, the apostles, and the prophets, but each one ended in another death. Jesus' resurrection as the firstborn from the dead highlights his preeminence over life and death and sets the pattern for our resurrection to come. So, we look to Jesus as our elder brother in this regard. Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, the fullness of deity and flesh, so that he could be like us, and he could reconcile us to God and make peace between us and God. Take note of the wording of the passage to see that God desired reconciliation with sinners, and so he sent Jesus to die on the cross to bring us together. Jesus was not the nicer, better person of the Trinity, trying to mollify an angry deity. Rather, the work of salvation was the will of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. God desired peace and made peace through Jesus, in whom we believe and whom we obey, through repentance and good works that we were set apart to do. Finally, in point three, we see that Jesus is the returning king who rewards the faithful. Here we jump to the end of the Bible in Revelation 22. Reading words spoken by Jesus to his apostle, John, we hear from Jesus his own assessment that he is coming soon and he will reward each person according to his work. We are somewhere close to 2,000 years since Jesus spoke these words to John, but he still hasn't come. Was Jesus wrong? Was something lost in translation? No. The words Jesus spoke are true. We just don't have the perspective to grasp them rightly. In 2 Peter 3.8, we are reminded that one day is like a thousand years to God, and a thousand years like a day. Time does not affect the eternal God. Time itself is a creation of God. So, when Jesus says he is coming soon, from our perspective that's difficult to see, but from God's, it is certainly true, and God's perspective is good and right. So we shouldn't dismiss the coming of Jesus, but instead, we should always seek to be ready and prepared for the day He comes again, because it is soon. For on that day, He will bring His reward with Him. Those who refuse Jesus will suffer eternal punishment. Those who believe and obey will be blessed with eternity with our Lord and Savior. And we will also be rewarded for our works that have been done in service of our God. May we choose to store up our treasures in heaven with God and not on earth, which will one day pass away. Jesus grounds his coming and his rewards on his identity as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. What's especially significant about these titles is that they are used for God himself in Revelation 1.8 and 21.6. Jesus is God, and he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He will come again, he will rule over all, and he will reward all as he sees fit. In the Old Testament, 
when God's people demanded a king like the nations around them. God warned them, but gave in to their demands, not as a concession, but as a discipline. All of the kings of Israel, from Saul to David to Solomon and forward, they all failed to lead the people as they needed, often being led by the people instead of by God. Jesus, however, is the king of kings, the one who rules perfectly over his people. One day, King Jesus is returning for his church and to establish his perfect eternal kingdom where there will no longer be any sin, sickness, sorrow, or death. Because Jesus is our king by faith, we believers should seek to submit to his perfect leadership in all areas of our lives, knowing all he does is for God's glory and our good. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.